We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of Inside Golf Podcast is brought to you by rickrenke.com. All of the stats, tools, and info that I'll be discussing on this podcast as it pertains to Oak Hill can be found at rickrenke.com. This is the week where I would highly recommend at least getting the weekly pass. You will be equipped with absolutely everything that you need, all of the stats and tools to build your own models, do your own research. My very in-depth breakdown of Oak Hill and my model, if you don't want to do your own research and you just want to use mine, ownership projections, getting updated multiple times a day by Michael Cavalunas, my Wednesday final DraftKings thoughts, where I run through the weather, ownership, my favorite plays, absolutely everything that you need to know to build your lineups, and so much more. So sign up today using promo code Andy, that is the important part if you want to help me out, and we'd love to have you as part of the team. All right, coming up on this podcast, PGA Championship betting picks, plus a little bit more on the golf course, a little weather update, my model, who I am betting, plus some food and culture stuff at the end. But I've already done a fairly comprehensive breakdown of the golf course with Steve Bamford. You can find that podcast already up on this feed. I am going to, of course, be covering the DraftKings side of things with Kobe DuBose on Tuesday, an annual major championship tradition for us. So in this podcast, I'm going to focus on the betting side. I'm going to reveal my group of, I have six guys that I just think are really good bets. I would say two out of the six might be better DraftKings plays than bets because they're going to be low-owned. But I think there are two guys that not a lot of people are going to be talking about. I think there's a decent chance their betting number drifts throughout the week, depending on how many people like my case for them. And I just, I think they're the nuts. I just think that I've done more research on this golf course. Probably, I have probably a better relationship to this golf course and know this golf course 
uh, better than I know probably any golf course that I've ever handicapped before in a professional golf tournament. And so I feel good about this one. And then the four other guys are, you know, popular picks. I mean, I don't know the extent of their popularity, but they're guys that I think a lot of people, they're not the two favorites. John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler are not in my six that I'm going to talk about. But the other four guys are, you know, closer to the top of the odds board. So, and then maybe I'll name a couple players that I think have absolutely zero shot to win. Brooks Kepka, which is an upside list proposition, but it's really fun anyway. And obviously, I'll give, finally, I have solidified my actual pick to win, which I feel incredibly confident in. So confident, I have more invested in this player, both emotionally and financially, uh, than any bet I have made in my entire life. So let's jump right in. Let's do, I want to give a little bit of a weather update first, because this is something that me and Steve talked about a bit in our most recent podcast and basically just emphasizing, you know, how this golf course is going to play different if it's a wet golf course versus if it's more of a firm golf course. And I can say as I record this on Saturday afternoon, 4.30 Pacific time, not I'm not seeing a drop of rain in the forecast. Well, little bit Tuesday night at 11 p.m., but barely any rain up until Friday night. So... The golf course is going to be as firm as it can be. It's not a golf course that is ever going to get as firm as a Shinnecock or a Southern Hills or even an LACC, which we'll see in a month. It's just the climate there is not as conducive for this golf course getting baked out. I mean, it's still pretty overcast these next couple of days. There's going to be sunshine for sure, but it's still pretty overcast. But I think the good thing is that there's no rain because I think if if this golf course is able to play on the firmer and faster side, a lot of the character of the golf course, a lot of the integrity of the design is really going to get to shine a, a lot more than if this was a super rain-soaked wet golf course. I think a lot of the changes that Andrew Green made, particularly to the green sites, and what this golf course could look like with firm greens and balls bouncing and rolling off greens into collection areas and into bunkers. I think the firmer the greens are, the more fun, more engaging, more interesting this golf tournament is going to be from a viewing perspective. So that's a good thing. Now, I will say this about the length of the golf course. This golf course is still, even with slightly firmer conditions and maybe a little bit more rollout in the fairways than I would have expected, this golf course is still going to play incredibly long because even with the temperatures getting into the mid-60s in the afternoon, you know, the guys teeing off at 7, 8 a.m. on Thursday and Friday morning it's going to be 42 degrees 
the ball's just not going to travel very far in 42-degree weather. So, you know, I actually think, and this is, I guess, if you play the first-round leader markets, I think the guys in the afternoon waves are going to have an easier go because it's going to be really chilly in the mornings and the ball's just not going to travel as far. And some of those long par fours, you know, some of the long par threes too, two of the par threes play over 230 yards. I just think it's going to be tough and cold and chilly and long iron city. And if you've ever tried to hit a flush three iron in 40 degree weather, um, it's not easy. It's not easy. So, but it's something you're going to have to do at Oak Hill. So Thursday, colder, probably eh, doesn't hit 60 gets, you know, it's high fifties in the afternoon. So, you know, still relatively cool all day. Friday is, is beautiful. Friday, you know, it's 49-ish, 50-ish degrees at 8 a.m., which is actually warm compared to the other days. And then by 2 p.m., it hits 70. So that's encouraging. Friday's going to be beautiful. A little breezy, too. So get a little wind. 25-mile-per-hour gusts at 8 a.m. and 50 degrees. I think Friday morning, as it stands now, is going to be pretty tough. Uh, and then Saturday is the day that we do get rain. I mean, all, all, what it looks like now is that it's supposed to rain a fair amount on Saturday. And I hope that changes because I would, I would really hate a situation where this tournament gets delayed and it's not able to finish by Sunday. But it does look like there's going to be scattered rain showers all throughout Saturday as it stands now. So, you know, if we're getting a wet golf course like we had initially maybe expected, it won't be for the first two days, right? We'll get through the cut in pretty firm and fast conditions. But if they play on Saturday, they're either going to be playing through a little bit of rain, and then Sunday it clears up, and you're going to have a wet golf course, and it's cold on Sunday. So, you know, the high on Sunday is 54. So all throughout Sunday is overcast, cold, wet golf course. So essentially, once you—it's interesting. You know, this is, this is the potential where the golf course conditions are going to change throughout the week. You're not going to get a uniform golf course— in my opinion, Thursday through Sunday. I think you're going to see a firm test on Thursday and Friday. And on Friday, it's going to be warm and pretty beautiful. Saturday, you might play through rain all day, or that might end up resulting in a delay. And then Sunday, you're going to get what I expect to be a pretty soaking wet golf course in really cold conditions. And then Monday, if it, God forbid, but if it goes into Monday, um, sunny, but still in the low 50s. 46 degrees at 11 a.m. on Sunday. 41 degrees at 8 a.m. on or on Monday, excuse me. So how does this change the way I would handicap the course? 
Well, probably not much from the way that I broke down the course with Steve in my latest podcast. I I try not to live in extremes when you have unpredictable weather. I think you want to look for really well-rounded players and I'm probably giving some players a bump if they've performed well and maybe some more. And I'll talk about this a lot with the first guy I'm going to talk about, you know, European conditions. Uh, This is a colder climate than 90% of the golf courses that these guys play on the PGA Tour. I mean, I guess it was in the high 40s, early 50s probably back in February when they played Pebble. Pebble was really chilly this year, and Pebble can get really chilly out on the coast. But I think it's going to be pretty cold at least two of the days and potentially really wet on Sunday. Uh, Potentially really wet for the final 36 holes. At least, you know, the final maybe 18 holes, right? And so a wet golf course for the second part of the tournament, as we've spoken about before, that probably gives way more so to bombers and guys that have a very high carry distance, right? Because you're already going to get a situation where the ball isn't going to be traveling as far in the cold, probably not going to get much rollout on these fairways after Saturday. So you're going to want, longer players over the weekend, uh, in my opinion. So maybe this is strategy that falls more into the aspect of showdown type stuff. Maybe it's a situation where round-to-round matchups where you really hunker down on guys like Rory and Cam Young playing better, rising up the leaderboard, on a more wet golf course over the weekend. But I think from an overall standpoint, you know, I was already preparing for this in my handicapping. I was preparing for not a super soaked golf course, maybe a little bit of a wet golf course for 50% of the tournament, right? I was already looking at a lot of these things in my initial handicapping. So the weather's the weather. It doesn't change a ton for me in terms of the players that I'm targeting, but I think it's something to monitor throughout the week. I think if, you know, from a DraftKings perspective, I think you do really want to pay attention to, and I will discuss this far more in on my Tuesday show with Kobe, when we have more accurate weather picture. And then on my Wednesday DraftKings article, when we have even more of a accurate weather picture, that's why I have the content schedule that I have is because, you know, you get more information as the week progresses. And as it stands now on Saturday afternoon, a ton of stuff can change still. But I do think that in terms of stacking waves, in terms of playing first round leader markets, in terms of playing showdown, just keep your eye on it all week because I think the course conditions are not going to be super uniform the way they may be at LACC in a month because the weather in Los Angeles this time, that time of year and a month from now going to be super predictable, pretty predictable. I think that you're going to get pretty uniform weather conditions throughout the week. Whereas I think this 
the golf course has the potential to really change and evolve throughout the, the week in terms of the way that it plays and the different types of skill sets that it's favored. So that's my weather update. I broke down in my article that will be up on Rick Rungit on Monday. I broke down all of the different weird stats that I'm looking at this week. Probably my most elaborate model that I can remember making. Just a lot of a lot of stuff in there. Might might have gone all overboard. So for the full model inputs of that, you can check out the article that will be on the website on Monday. But I think from probably listening to the podcast that I did with Steve, you probably have a good sense of a lot of the main things that I think are really important this week. I do think driving distance is really important. I do think performance on long golf courses is really important. I do think that performance on long golf courses with narrow fairways is important. I do think that bunker play is really, really important. And I think if you want to reference previous major championships, you want to look at places like Bethpage Black, Winged Foot. There are some Southern Hills similarities, but there are some key differences too. Aronimink is another one we talked about. Host of 2018 BMW, 2010 and 2011 AT&T National Championship. Plainfield, Ridgewood. Plainfield's Donald Ross too. These are golf courses that I think are good reference points. Northeast, Harder, particularly Beth Page and Winged Foot. So I threw a lot of this stuff in the model. And here's who it shot out. Here's my top 20. Couple surprises. Number one, the player who I believe is the most ideal course fit for Oak Hill. I don't even know why I had to run a model because I knew that this was going to be in the case when I talked about Oak Hill back in September, in December. But number one's Rory McIlroy. Rochester zone. Number two is Xander Shoffley. Like that one a lot. Not a huge surprise for me. I knew that this was a pretty ideal spot for Xander. Number three is John Rahm. No surprises there. Four, Tony Finau. Five, Justin Thomas. Six, Victor Hovland. Seven, Patrick Cantlay. I don't think huge surprises there in the top seven outside of the omission of Scheffler, who actually does not rate out even close to as well as I would have expected, which is a surprise for me. I just have, and and it doesn't mean I don't think that at a, on the surface, it's a good fit, but I do think that there are more negatives actually with Scotty Scheffler's course fit at Oak Hill when it comes to his historical performance on bent grass greens and his bunker play. When you really dive into his bunker play, he is not a reliable bunker player in terms of his ability to get up and down from the bunkers and there are some concerns with his long iron play as well with Scotty, with Scotty's long iron play as well. 
He's still the second best player in the world. Doesn't mean he's not absolutely alive at this tournament. But statistically, I found some flaws with this fit at Oak Hill. So number eight is Sung J.M. Number nine is Max Homa. Remember him? Ten is Joaquin Neiman, who I love this week. Eleven's Gary Woodland. Twelve is Shane Lowry. Thirteen, Colin Morikawa. Fourteen, Harold Varner. My favorite six K guy this week. I'll just give you a little give you some nuts six K guys right now a little preview with the Kobe podcast. Two live guys actually. Varner and Brendan Steele. If you're looking for six K guys. Fifteen Dustin Johnson. 16, Jason Day, 17, Tyrrell Hatton, 18, Jordan Spieth, 19, Justin Rose, 20, Scotty Scheffler. (sighs) So I'm going to give you six guys, like I mentioned, that I think are just really good bets for the PGA Championship that I think are going to be there. Now, the first two guys that I'm going to mention a little bit farther down the board. Eh, you know, the second guy's going to be in the 35-ish range, 30-ish range. But the first player that I think is an excellent play at Oak Hill that will be in my $200 single entry. Unless I really whiff on the ownership and a ton of people and he starts becoming trendy. Is Shane Lowry. Shane Lowry, he's coming off a missed cut at the Wells Fargo, but he still hit the ball pretty well. Missed the cut on the number. It's been a quiet season for him. He's played 11 times, just three top 20 finishes, one top five, which came in the terrible field Honda Classic. But he's still hitting the ball really well, gaining strokes on approach, three straight starts, Um, And it's just been actually five straight starts and it's just been a really dreadful putting season for him. He's only been a positive putter in two of 11 starts this year, but the ball striking is not a huge concern for me. He hits the ball high and he's a top seven long iron player over a large sample size in this field. So he checks a key box there for me. Another key box for me. He's got a really good short game. I actually think his short game, like eye test wise, is sometimes better than the numbers even. But I think he's really crafty and creative around the greens. He's got a lot of really good performances in colder, tougher conditions. I put together a ranking of the top guys in really difficult, cold conditions. Lowry top 10. Eighth at Beth Page in 2019, gaining 6.7 strokes ball striking. 23rd Southern Hills, 43rd winged foot. He's probably my favorite. If you're asking me for a guy above 50 to 1, that I think has the best chance to win. I'll rank him. I'll give you three. Harris English, 
Justin Rose, Shane Lowry. Those are the nuts. Okay, and then my next guy. So this is a player that is also going to be in my uh, in my two hundred dollars single entry in DraftKings. He's going to be the second man in. Lowry's going to be the third at eighty seven hundred dollars. He's not going to be ten percent on DraftKings. I just don't think so. But I think this guy is actually really the nuts this week. And I just have a weird, I mean, there are millions of statistical reasons, which I'll talk about in a second. I just think there's, the pendulum has swung too far in the other direction with this player, where he was overrated at the beginning of the season when he was playing really well. And now he's underrated and he's underpriced to a couple there are a couple players that are more expensive than him than DraftKings that I think should not be more expensive than him and nobody is going to pick this guy nobody is going to bet this guy despite a really strong case that I'm going to make so I think at sub 10% this guy is going to be my second guy in in my $200 single entry that player's Max Homa Remember him? Went, wins Torrey Pines this year. Another golf course with very little difference in the consequence of small misses and big misses. Strategically off the tee, there's a lot of Torrey Pines in Oak Hill. A lot of it. And you look at that, you know, especially even just look at the 2021 U.S. Open leaderboard. And the guys that are in, were in the mix at Torrey Pines, it's Rory, it's Bryson, it's Rom, it's Brooks, it's my guy Harris English. Do not be surprised if we see a similar leaderboard at Oak Hill this week. So you have Homa sitting here who's coming off like a really quiet eighth place finish at Quail Hollow where he gained three strokes off the tee. And... This season, 11 starts, 7 top 25s, 6 top 10s. So Homa is at over a 50% top 10 percentage this season. It's like four other guys on the PGA Tour that are at that, at that. And I know that he's done a lot more of his damage in California, but the guy dominates at Quail Hollow and, you know, we love players. I've heard a lot of Cameron Young, who I don't like this week, chatter, and a lot of Keegan Bradley chatter, who I like more this week. I mean, Cameron Young and Keegan Bradley, those guys are at the top of the leaderboard at TPC Potomac, host of the Wells Fargo in 2022. Another wet golf course with difficult to hit fairways, similar agronomy, a lot of raised, elevated green surfaces in the Northeast. Well, who won that tournament? Max Homa did. So if you want to talk about Cameron Young and Keegan Bradley and their Northeast form, why not Max Homa? He's a really good long iron player. He hits the ball really high. He's in good form. He just finished eighth at the Wells Fargo, striking the ball well. 
He has a good short game. He's performed strongly in difficult scoring conditions. And although it hasn't come to fruition at the majors, you cannot tell me that a player that has won at Torrey Pines and Riviera, which are, and Quail Hollow, which are probably the three golf courses that are just a step below difficulty in terms of the major championships, but are still won at between, you know, eight under and 14 under. This tournament's going to be won at five or six under. You can't, and he, by the way, 13th at Southern Hills last year. He is too good, too damn good to not figure it out in majors. And it would be one thing if it was more like Sam Burns, where he's doing all of his PGA Tour damage in easier scoring conditions, but Homa's doing it in tough scoring conditions. Homa's doing it at Torrey Pines. Cold golf course. Torrey Pines was chilly, chilly in the mornings. TPC Potomac, wet. Quail Hollow, long, classical, driver heavy, long irons. Riviera, classical, long irons, short game. This guy's going to be under 10%, Max Homez, this week. No buzz. No buzz. Everyone's penciling him in for LACC in a in a month because it's in the state of California. As somebody, I'm very familiar with both golf courses. I play both golf courses. This is a better fit for his game, in my opinion. And, you know, there are already a bunch of futures on Homa for LACC. Why not here? I think he's a really sharp play this week. Okay. And then the next four guys, I I don't, I I don't think there is, uh, you know, maybe potentially surprising as the first two guys that I mentioned, but I think that these four players are like my, are are really my most likely champions. And I'll count them down from four to one in order of, I think their uh, ability to win this tournament, my confidence in their, their ability to win this tournament. Number four. Is Tony Finau. Tony Finau will be popular this week. Tony Finau will also have his doubters, but Tony Finau's gonna win a major. Maybe this year, maybe this tournament. And I know that a lot of you know he's been getting the uh, he's beaten up on weaker fields. And I, I, first of all, I don't really know what you want him to do. I think he's probably maybe the best at schedule optimization on the PGA tour of the elite players. And the guy's got 10 top tens and 13 top 25s and 27 major starts, you know, eighth at Kiowa fourth at Harding park cold in the mornings, 10th at whistling Straits, coming off a 23rd at the Wells Fargo Backed up the win in Mexico. Four off the tee, 2.5 on approach. Really, really good on bent grass greens. You know, both his wins last summer. Uh, Northernly, right? More Midwestern. Detroit Golf Club 
is a Donald Ross golf course with similar agronomy. Way easier than Oak Hill, obviously. But you look at what Tony Finau has done this year, and Tony Finau has statistically turned into the best iron player in the world. Right now in golf, Tony Finau is a better iron player than Justin Thomas. He's a better iron player than Colin Morikawa. Tony Finau is a better iron player than John Rahm. Tony Finau is a better iron player than Rory McIlroy. He's gained over a stroke on approach in all 12 starts this season. His floor, because of his iron play, because of this iron run that he is on, and it's probably enough of a sample size where I don't even know if you can just call it a run because it's been every single start this season. He's been awesome on approach. But his floor is comically high. And that's why I think he should be really highly owned in DraftKings at 9.5K. 10 top 25s and 12 starts. Three top 10s. He hits the ball really high. Powerful driver of the ball. I mentioned the iron play. He's got a really good short game. He's a top 20 bunker player in the world. He's fifth in this field on long golf courses with narrow fairways. I put together a ranking of all of those. He's a top 30 bent grass putter in this field. 22nd at Southern Hills. Eighth at Aronimink. Eighth at Winged Foot. Tony Finau could absolutely win this tournament i do not i think he's you know just gonna miss my betting card because i'm either gonna bet i'm gonna obviously bet number one who's my pick to win but you know number two or number three on this list will be my second man in um, and i don't think i will have room for finau and my third man depending on if either number two or number three on this list slides would love to get Shane Lowry in there. It's probably going to end up being Harris English at a massive number. So it's going to be one guy at the top, my winner, one guy, uh, either one of the next two players that I'm going to mention, and then and then a bomb down the board. But that's not to take anything away from Finau. I think he's absolutely live this week. Take Finau over Brooks any day of the week, twice on Sunday. Number three. Xander. Do I like him more than the guy that I'm going to talk about next? I think it's, you know, I've gone back and forth on these two guys a million times already this week. There's one Xander that I would exponentially rather see win this golf tournament than the player I'm going to talk about next. So Xander may end up being, it just may be a friends and family card. Because, I mean, the other guy I'm betting is my other favorite golfer. But Xander Shoffley rates out number two in my model. Basically out of 50% top 10 rate across 23 majors. He's been better in U.S. Opens and PGAs, but absolutely no slouch in PGAs. 13th last year at Southern Hills, 10th at Harding Park, 16th Beth Page. He's coming off a runner-up at the Wells Fargo where he gained 4.4 off the tee, 3.8 on approach, 2.5 around the green, 4.8 putting. Uh, He's now gained over five strokes ball striking in three straight starts. And he's got five top tens in a row. 
this is the best golf that he's played over a sustained sample size pretty much in his career. Three top fives in a row. And it has just been a typical rock-solid Xander season. 12 starts, 9 top 20s, 7 top 10s, over a 50% top 10 rate across 12 starts. The Irons are, again, probably the best that Xander has hit his Irons in his career. He's gained over 3.5 on approach in 4 straight starts. He hits the ball high. He's plenty long off the tee. He's 10th off the tee on long golf courses. He's third in this field in recent approach play. He's second in this field in long iron play in 2023. The only guy that's been better with his long irons in 2023 than Xander is Gary Woodland. Xander's been second. He's been a better long iron player than Finau, than Rom, than Scheffler. He's got a good short game. I don't think he has as good of a short game as Finau or Rory or Scheffler, but he's got a it's not a his short game is not a negative. Great bent grass putter. You know, Travelers, Greenbuyer, Augusta, Poa, and Bent is where you want Xander. Top 15 in this field in difficult scoring conditions. Top six ball striker in this field on long golf courses with narrow fairways. Obviously, his success in U.S. Opens and majors is indicative of the fact that this is the perfect type of golf course for him. 16th at Beth Page, 13th at Southern Hills, 6th at Winged Foot, 3rd at Aronimic. I mean... Of the courses that I'm looking at as reference points, he probably has the second overall best history out of anyone in this field outside of, I think, who will be the champion. So Xander is 2B. I think it's really tight between Xander and the next guy who I'm going to talk about, who's his Zurich Classic partner, Patrick Cantlay. I give Patrick Cantlay the slightest of edges over Xander, even though Xander has been a better major player than Patrick Cantlay, even though Xander has a better short game than Cantlay, I, th- I still think that Cantlay is a better golfer. And I still think that Cantlay is, more, is, is a touch more likely to win this golf tournament than Xander is. I actually think that his major record is underrated. I think that it's unfortunate. You know, Cantlay's major record gets talked about the way that Sam Burns' major record and Max Homa's major record gets talked about. And that's not fair at all. Cantlay's been way better in majors than both Burns and Homa. He's made 20 cuts in 24 majors, 11 top 25s. Third at Beth Page in 2019. He's finished top 15 in his last three majors. And obviously, the recent form with Cantlay is immaculate. He, right now, not John Rahm, not Rory McIlroy, not Cameron Young, 
statistically the best driver of the ball in the world right now, just like I talked about with Finau's irons, is Patrick Cantlay. Nobody is driving the ball better than Patrick Cantlay right now. He's gained over a stroke off the tee in eight straight starts. Just coming off uh, 21st at Wells Fargo where he gained 3.8 off the tee. And this season, he has been a complete model of consistency. Nine top 25s in 11 starts, five top 10s. He's plenty long on this golf course. First off the tee in recent off the tee form. Seventh off the tee on long golf courses. He's actually really improved his long iron play. He's now a top 12 long iron player in the world this year, which hasn't always been the case with him. Cantlay hasn't always been. He certainly has not been a top 12 long iron player in the world in previous years. This is the best long iron season of Patrick Cantlay's career. He is the best bent grass putter in the world. There's over the last three years, nobody's been better on bent grass. He's got two wins at Muirfield Village. He's got another win at Caves Valley where he put together the best putting performance of the strokes gained era. Gained 15 strokes putting at Caves Valley, Northeast, Bent Grass. And then Wilmington wins that again. Bent Grass, Northeast, longer, classical golf course. So there's something about this agronomy and northeast bent grass that Cantlay really, really loves. And, you know, I know the major track record hasn't been what people want it to be. He's still seventh in this field in tough, cold conditions. Like I said, really good at pebble. That golf course gets really cold, really cold in the mornings. Third at Beth Page where he gained over 10 strokes ball striking. Another northeast, tough, small elevated greens, bunkers everywhere, chilly in the morning. Cantlay gains over 10 strokes ball striking at Beth Page. So I think that, you know, this group of three, Cantlay, Xander, Finau, If that's your card, I love it. I respect it. I think all those players are better bets than Brooks Kepka. I think all I think those three players are better bets. I I do like Justin Thomas this week. Um, I think you make a good case for Justin Thomas, but I like those three better than JT. I like those three a lot better than Spieth. I like those three a lot better than Cameron Young. Actually, let me give you. Four guys right now before I give you the winner that are not winning this golf tournament. Brooks Kepka is not winning this golf tournament. I'll talk about him more with Kobe because we're both just a little aggrieved with uh, the pendulum situation on Brooks this week. <sighs> Brooks Kepka is not winning this golf tournament. Cameron Young's not winning this golf tournament. The Northeast thing with Cam Young is laughable. He grew up playing Sleepy Hollow in Westchester, which is a CB McDonald golf course. 
and is five hours from uh, Oak Hill. And if, you know, Nor- upstate New York wants to claim Cam Young, then by all means. But, you know, he, he's from Westchester. And he grew up playing a CB McDonald golf course that's nothing like Oak Hill. Um, okay, so Cam Young, he's not winning. His first tournament's not going to be a PGA a, a major either. He's not winning. Jordan Spieth's not winning. No chance Jordan Spieth wins this golf tournament. I don't think he's ever going to get the career Grand Slam. It's not happening. The way that PGA Championship setups are trending. Of the elite players, Jordan Spieth still remains. <sighs> Fitzpatrick's up there and Cameron Smith's up there, but probably the, you know, maybe the worst long iron player of the elite players. And he's hurt. He's not winning this golf tournament. And then fourth guy who I think you could make a leverage argument for DraftKings. So I'm not saying don't play this guy in DraftKings at his price because I do think he will be low-owned. Cameron Smith's not winning at Oak Hill, though. I can tell you that definitively right now. Again, really no upside in me giving you four guys that are top 12 on the odds board that absolutely have zero chance of winning this tournament, just opening myself up to get dunked on. But it's fun, you know? You got to put your... People got to put themselves out there more often, you know, put their balls on the table. I'll be happy, the first to admit if I'm wrong. I'm wrong all the time. I do not mind admitting when I'm wrong. I'd rather formulate strong opinions and be wrong than just be a fence-sitter. So I don't like those four guys. I don't think they're winning the PGA Championship. The guy who is winning the PGA Championship, the guy who I felt was winning the PGA Championship since Oak Hill got announced, since I walked off the golf course at Oak Hill in August, since I talked about in December, and I feel just as good about him as we sit here on Saturday afternoon, five days out. Rory is going to win at Oak Hill and he might win by a lot and I've got some receipts I'm going to make a lot of money if he just beats Brooks I'm going to make a lot more money if he wins all of it but I love it I love this scenario it is playing out exactly how I said it was going to play out, exactly how I wanted it to play out. He's Rory McIlroy. He's the third favorite. People love him, but he's not, you know, I'll tell you one thing. People, people like Brooks more than him this week. That I know for a fact. Um, and the expectations for Rory this week, uh, people are down. People are down uh, from the Masters, and for good reason. The guy misses the cut in the two biggest tournaments of the year. Total no-show. Total no-show at the Players. Total no-show at the Masters. Total no-show at Quail Hollow. Those are golf courses. He should be top 10-ing in his sleep. Now, does Rory need form 
to win golf tournaments? Historically, no. So I would be careful with those that are just saying, oh, because he has not been playing well in his last two or three starts, that he is a cross-off. Historically, Rory has <laughs> Rory has over four wins coming off missed cuts. And if you dig a little bit deeper into some of his lead-in form, I mean, he's won major championships before without any semblance. I mean, just, you know, playing the same that he's playing now. You know, miss a cut, T47. I mean, he was great at the match play, so it's it's really not as bad as people are making it. He's still, this season, eight starts this year. He just hasn't played a bunch. But second at the API, third at the match play. He did win the Dubai Desert Classic this year. So it's, he, he does have a win this year, which is a good thing because that is a, a big trend with major championship winners is most of them get a win earlier in the season. And Rory did win this year. He finished second at Arnold Palmer, third at the match play recently. Um, so I'm not there on the Rory's lost. I'm not there on the Rory can't win he needs to be in this awesome form to win. That is historically and factually incorrect. And, you know, form tends to matter less and less with talent, with generational talent. Phil Mickelson is a good example of this, where there really doesn't need to be much evidence leading in for him to win a golf tournament. And Rory is not Phil. Rory has a lot of work to do to catch Phil's resume. But I do believe he's a generational talent. I do believe that of the last 25 years, he is the third best golfer uh, after Phil and Tiger Woods. I think DJ's probably four, maybe then Spieth. Brooks, but he's underachieved, obviously, you know, I, I mean, if you told people after 2014, when he's 24, 25 years old with four major championships, I mean, people are setting the over under at 10 or 11 and he doesn't win a major now in basically a decade. He's still in the prime of his career. He's 33 years old uh, and he's coming off the best major season of his career. Uh, Rory was relevant in all four majors last year. It was a major step forward for him in terms of major performance last year. It was his best major season since years that he has won, so in a decade. And while he's had plenty of disappointments at majors, he has almost a 50% top 10 rate in majors in a sample size of over 50 major starts. That's comically absurd. You know, the only other guys that are at a 50% major top 10 rate, Scheffler and Xander are not, excuse me, Xander's not quite there. Xander and Brooks are very, very close. But Rory, Scheffler, Morikawa, and Scheffler and Morikawa have done it over 10, 11, 12, 13 major starts. Rory's done it over 56 so the guy is always there in majors. And I get you want to say there's a block with him winning, but 
this is a numbers game. This is a reps game. This is what he said after he lost the Open Championship to Cam Young. But he is going, there's not a conceivable chance in hell that Rory McIlroy is irrelevant at the first three biggest tournaments of the year. He is going to be in this one. And it has nothing to do with the fact that he's an honorary member. It has nothing to do with the fact that his wife is from Rochester, although I'm a sucker for that stuff, and I think it's a wonderful story. And I think the best-case scenario for this major championship is like Rory Brooks down the stretch with Rory winning, hopefully. But, you know, from a golf course standpoint— Oak Hill was built for this guy. He is the longest driver of the ball in this field, outside of maybe Bryson. He is a top eight long iron player in the world. He is a really good bunker player and has a really good short game. He's a top 10 bent grass putter over the last three years. He ranks second in this field in difficult cold scoring conditions. He's played well on firm golf courses like Southern Hills last year. He's played well on wet golf courses like Congressional where he won by eight strokes. He's also won golf tournaments by eight strokes on firm golf courses like Kiowa Island. He's number two in this field, ball striking on long golf courses with narrow fairways. This is the exact sort of setup that you want for Rory McIlroy in terms of the width of the fairways. And now that the angles that you're going to have with bigger misses, I couldn't think of a better designed golf course for Rory McIlroy than Oak Hill. Eighth at Beth Page in 2019, where he gained four strokes off the tee. I mean, part of it is just you can pencil him in the guy's going to gain four strokes off the tee. And if he's a positive putter, you know, that's a he's a walking top 10 here. Eighth at winged foot in 2020, 5.8 strokes off the tee. These are golf courses that simulate the same strategic value off the tee that Oak Hill has. So you look at the guys who led the field off the tee at winged foot. It's Rory. It's Bryson. It's Matt Wolf. It's Taylor Pendrith. It's John Rahm. You know, don't, that's, that's, don't be, sh- those are going to be the guys that lead the field off the tee at Oak Hill too. Fifth at Aronimic, 10.9 ball striking at Aronimic. Eighth at Southern Hills. 5.6 off the tee, 4.9 on approach at, at Southern Hills. We talked about Potomac where you have, Keegan Bradley and Max Homa and Cameron Young on this wet golf course in the Northeast with Bent Grass Greens. Rory's top five in there too. I love that people are down on him. I love that people think he stinks right now. I think that he will always be a top five narrative and storyline in the field because I think that he's the most compelling golfer in the world right now. I think 
whether or not Rory wins another major championship ever, I think is one of the most interesting narratives that everyone can agree on is really compelling to talk and think about no matter what side you're on. I think he's a really divisive golfer now, not just in terms of how people like him. I think a lot of people think that after the role that he's played in this PGA Live thing, he's raised in people's estimations where some worship him more and some are like really out on the guy and think he's kind of a mumbling, bumbling hypocrite. And I think from a golf perspective, he's really divisive too. I think some people think that he is still the greatest golfer of this generation, the most talented player of this generation, and that it's only a matter of time before he does win more majors. And I think a lot of people really think that there ain't a chance in hell that he's going to win another major. I don't think either viewpoint is invalid. And I am not here to psychoanalyze Rory. I am picking him for his fit on this golf course. I am not picking him because he's due. I'm not picking him because he's from his wife's from Rochester. I'm not picking him because he's more familiar with Oak Hill than a lot of other players, although he is. A lot of other players have never seen this golf course at all because when are you when have you been able to go to Rochester in the last 2 years? So a lot of these guys are coming in completely blind, completely completely blind. So I think Rory has a built-in edge. Not that he was, you know, he's played this golf course since the restoration. He spent a little time up here during COVID. I'm not saying he knows the golf course like the back of his hand or he's, you know, played this golf course 50 times in the last 2 years. But you know, when has, you know, there's a lot of guys in this field, good players and never have never made the trip to Oak Hill. So, you know, I'm not here to litigate, um, the mental side of Rory. I'm picking him because this is the most complex model that I've ever created and the most confident in my handicapping of a golf course, the most work that I have put in to handicap a golf course, the most familiar I am with a golf course. And uh, he is the number one player for me and statistically checks the most boxes. That's why I'm picking Rory. And partially because I picked him in December and I got my first December prediction right and I'm stubborn. So I wanted to see if I can go four for four. Um. But I would have, you know, I would have hopped off the Rory train if if he wasn't checking all of the statistical boxes that he was. But I knew that he was going to be because I knew I played this golf course at the end of last year. And my first thought walking off the golf course was Rory. And I feel just as good about it today, if not better. Love that he's not the pick. Love that there's some speculation. Love that there's some skepticism. And I will be, if he misses the cut, I will own the shit out of this one. I will own the shit out of it. And I will say that I'm wrong. Um, and I will say that I underestimated whatever the hell is going on with him mentally, which obviously is 
an unquantifiable thing that I try and stay out of. But if he plays well, if Rory wins, it will be the most satisfying sports weekend of my entire life. Probably. Um, okay. So that's it. So, um, those are my guys. I will talk a lot more about the DraftKings side of things with Kobe on Tuesday. Plus, all my articles on Rick Run Good. I'm doing a podcast with Brian, Twitterless Steve, and Capper, both at the golf course on Friday night and on Monday night as well. Betting preview with Rick will be out Tuesday. Golf Digest, Expert Picks, Golf Monthly column, all my stuff, all my usual stuff. So now let's go to conversation with Rochester native John Nucci, lawyer, attorney, conduct detrimental. He is a huge golf fan, also a huge food fan like myself. And I know a lot of people are going that I've spoken to going to the PGA championship, have never been to Rochester before. So I wanted to talk to a Rochester native about some food and culture stuff. A lot of restaurant recommendations in here. Uh, and just a fun conversation with a guy who loves food and golf like myself and, and is a Rochester guy. So let's talk to John. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. All right, John Nucci is here. He is an attorney. He is the chief golf law correspondent at Conduct Detrimental. You put out this wonderful Google Doc outlining all of the food and culture options in Rochester. And I knew I had to have you on, not just because this was a city that I'm going to for the PGA Championship. And I think a lot of listeners, judging from what I've been hearing in my DMs, are also going to be in attendance this week. And then, as I mentioned to you before, this is a city that I'm going to be spending a lot more time in, frankly, uh, over the course of my life. So I so, so appreciate you joining me and excited to talk some 
golf and mainly Rochester with you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. So I want to get started with this. Well, first of all, I'm really curious, before we dive into Rochester, how have you found yourself entrenched in the golf world? Because you're a lawyer, but you also do a lot of work in the golf world, have written a ton about Live versus the PGA Tour, that uh, ongoing law- lawsuit. So just give a little bit of background on on what you on what you're up to these days. Yeah, so I am an attorney up here in Rochester. I also just happen to be a big golf fan. You know, I, I even before the Live PGA litigation and and everything happened, I was uh, consuming podcasts like yours just endlessly. Uh, you know, a group of friends and I trying to pick winners every week. And then when the Live PGA litigation hit, uh, it just kind of seemed like a void that there really wasn't any golf legal uh, minds kind of talking about it and being able to decipher the litigation and, and you know, put it into layman's terms for lack of a better uh, phrase. And uh, I just saw an opportunity there and it was interesting to me and I wanted to write about it and follow it anyways. Uh, so I started doing that and it just, it kind of exploded. I had a couple of tweets and articles that really blew up and just started getting follows from a lot of media people. And it's just, it's just kind of grown since then. What is, talk to me a little bit more about what contract conduct detrimental is and what they do. Yeah. So conduct detrimental is a, it's a podcast and a website. It was uh, founded by Dan Wallach uh, and uh, Dan Worley, who is now actually over at the Tennessee Titans, I believe. And now it is Dan Lust. Uh, and Dan Wallach. Dan Lust is a sports attorney. It is a website that is basically the intersection of sports and law. So it, it is also a void that they that that they they noticed and they filled. And it's basically anytime you know there's a, there's legal news happening, whether it be uh, NFL cases, arbitration, you know Henry Ruggs, Brett Favre, defamation, Live versus PGA. Uh, it is basically contributors that are law students that are practicing lawyers. And they kind of break down uh, really all of the legal implications of things that are happening in sports. Well, I'm abs- I've been fascinated by the web stuff. I've done a ton of work on my podcast covering the web stuff. So I'm going to have to absolutely have you back on to dive into some of the minutia of that stuff as the lawsuit progresses. But I want to switch gears to your home where there will be a major championship for the first time in a decade there in just literally a week from now we're recording this on the thursday prior in the prior week to the pga so talk to me a little bit about rochester what this what this tournament potentially means to this city and what the vibe is in the area about having a pga championship come back yeah every i mean everyone's everyone's really excited rochester is i mean it's a it's a big it's a big golf town um yeah i think there was there was an article a couple of years ago golf pass ranked us like a top like seventh or eighth for best cities in the united states for golfers it's 55 courses i think within like 30 minutes of the city mm-hmm. uh so i in the city itself i mean the, the tournament is really gonna put a spotlight on it um it's a little bit of a hidden gem think like like any kid growing up I said for a long time I was going to move away and then you move away for a while and you start to really you know realize how cool the city is and how much it has to offer so I mean the, the food scene is is just is unmatched in my opinion the craft beer scene if you're 
uh, into craft breweries. I mean, there's there's dozens. Uh, the, you know, the winters can be pretty harsh, but I think I think the whole rest of the year makes up for it. How's the weather been up there? So it's great now. Um, I will tell you that the course, I, I, I know you are aware, but it's going to be in immaculate condition. Because, oh, yeah. I mean, it rained. It rained like 10 out of 11 days uh, last week and a couple of weeks ago, and it's kind of stopped now. And at least from I just looked about an hour ago, the forecast is going to be maybe upper 60s, low 70s every day and clear. Uh, there's mm-hmm. no precipitation right now. So I think they're going to make that course just, I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be spectacular. So, okay. So I know, as I mentioned earlier, there are a ton of listeners that are going to this PGA championship. So I want to dive into some of the stuff that you wrote about in that Google doc, which everyone can find on your Twitter as well. But my girlfriend and I have been scrambling for reservations over the past, uh, over the past week and a half. We got actually uh, because of your, so, okay. Assess this situation for us. This is going to be good. We uh, got a reservation at, I think it's called like Chop House. Max Chop House. Yeah. Max Chop House. But then after reading your Google Doc, doing a little bit more digging, we scrapped it for Fiorella. Good decision. Poor decision. Uh, yeah, I don't think you can really go wrong with either. It's definitely so. Chop House is obviously a steakhouse. Fiorella is, is Italian. Uh, but it, it's, I mean, it's very good. Fiorella is some of the best Italian in the city, which. Uh, there's a lot of Italians around here, so that that says something. It's also in a nice little area. It's in the public market district, so you can kind of walk uh, right next door. There's a bar, which is not on my thing, but there's a bar called Cure that's right next door. It's a cocktail bar. They do unbelievable cocktails. Uh, you go right down the road. There's another called Bitter Honey. They do uh, margaritas, and then right next door is uh, Rohrbach, which is uh, like, uh, that's one of the crap breweries in the area. So it's a nice little area and Fiorella is, it's not a big place, but I'm glad that you got reservations cause it, it's, it's very good. Yeah. She called, I, I don't think you can make reservations online. So she called them up. So that's the next question I wanted to ask you. If somebody's sitting here listening to this podcast a week out from Oak Hill or four or five days out from Oak Hill, they're going to be in the area for the PGA, they're going to be in Rochester for the PGA. Where would you say, okay, go on your computer right now or pick up your phone and look to try and eat at, at this place during your time there? What would be, what would be the first place that you would tell them? The, well, on, on, in the, in that article I wrote, unfortunately, the first place I would tell them to go doesn't take reservations. Uh, that's Vern's. Do you think, is- okay. So do you think that's going to be a nightmare getting into? I, I wouldn't say it's a nightmare. I mean, on a on a on a given weekday, it's, it's certainly not a nightmare if you go, you know, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or something like that. You know, it'll be okay. Friday might be busy. I mean, there. So, Vern's is right on Park Avenue, which mm-hmm. is one of the, uh, the Park Ave is like kind of that's kind of where a lot of the food bar scene is. Um, so it's all in that same area. So. It's not like if you go down to Burns and they tell you it's going to be an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half. It's not like you just have to kind of sit around. I mean, there's bars. There's probably 10 bars uh, within a quarter of a mile walking distance to there. So uh, it's worth the wait. It's truly it's only a few years old at this point, but I go maybe every other week. Um, so that that would be my top 
choice without a doubt. Uh, if not there, I would go to Good Luck. I'm pretty sure you can make reservations online for Good Luck, and I would try the Good Luck Burger. It's uh, I I don't know how else to describe it. It's it's the best burger you'll ever eat. Oh wow! Yeah, I was looking at Vern's menu. Your recommendations: roasted garlic, lost meatball ragu, espresso martini. That's right up my girlfriend's alley. So okay, so that might be an option for you. It's worth it's worth giving it a shot, right? It's worth maybe checking it out seeing what the wait time is. If it is a big wait time, it's not like there aren't other bars in the area. That's a more, again, of an American Italian menu. Is that really a thing culturally in Rochester is Italian? Is there, is there a big Italian presence yeah, in Rochester? Cause I did notice that of your recommendations, a lot of them were Italian. There is. Yeah. There's quite a bit of Italian uh, influence around here. Um, another thing I want to point out, there's another there's another restaurant on my list called Leonor's that is actually like four months old, but I've been there a handful of times and it's great. But it is directly across the street from Burns. So if by chance you try to go to Burns and it's too long for you to wait, you can hop right across the street and try Leonor's. Uh, it's it's also right there. It's the same type of deal. They don't take reservations, but you know uh, you, you might have a little bit better luck there. Uh, but yeah, a lot of my I. I tried not to just fill my list with Italian restaurants mm -hmm. uh, because, but I, I think I easily could given what the demographics of the city are. And then good luck, more of a burger place, bar place, kind of a little bit of a more casual atmosphere. Um, You know, it's odd because it's, it, it's kind of, you know, you, you, I guess you can wear whatever, you want there but it's like a it's a it's a little bit of a more it's like an upscale burger place if that makes sense um that. you know it's it's sit down uh it's not like a grab and go i mean uh it's 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 a nice place you know brick walls and uh big big glass uh you know huge windows and chandelier lighting and stuff like that but it's a cool it's a cool place there's not a ton around there you know as far as walking distance so if you're going to go to good luck you're probably just going to go to good luck um, mm -hmm. but it's, it's good. I mean, there's a big parking lot next door. There's another thing. And the reason I didn't put it in there, there's a bakery called scratch. Okay. That is right next door to good luck. Uh, but the hours that they're open do not overlap with each other. I looked this up because I was going to tell people to try both at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, scratch is great too. You know, they're, they're both aesthetically and how it tastes. I think they I got like 50,000 something followers on Instagram now. Uh, so they're, they're pretty solid, but the scratch is a really good place to go like middle of the day. Uh, if you can make it out there. And then the other one I wanted to ask you about too, because we were actually, I'm doing a live show on Friday night from Oak Hill. We're going to do it at top golf now for another, another podcast that I'm joining for that. But, um, we were a rich and, one of the guys who does the podcast is from Rochester as well. We were going to originally do it at radio social, this place that you have written down as well. That seems more like a entertainment venue where they've got lawn games, bowling alley, you know, yeah. great beer, great cocktails, whiskey bar, ping pong, cornhole, all that stuff. So, I mean, is that the type of place that you think is going to be pretty pretty crowded, pretty electric atmosphere on, on PGA nights. I think that would be a really cool place to go. It's, it's 40,000 square feet. It's huge. 
and it, it's a it's a really unique place. It's got like so there's two different there's almost there's two different restaurants almost in Radio Social. Uh, mm -hmm. There's one that is an Israeli. It's like a full Israeli uh, Israeli food menu. They do an unbelievable brunch on Sunday if you happen to you know be skipping Sunday morning. Uh, but they have an unbelievable brunch, and then on the other side of it, there's like a little like walk up burgers hot place like you'd see at a normal bowling alley. Right. And then they have full bowling alley lanes, and then they have a couple. Uh, I almost said beer pong, but uh, ping pong tables set up. Uh, cornhole table set up it's 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 really huge uh and there's it, it's it's packed all the time but it, the building is so huge that it doesn't matter how many people are there i mean you have enough space um and, and it's it's a great atmosphere do you think that players are going to like i know media will but where do you think that like the common places that if players are go looking to get a meal if they miss the cut on Friday night, like where are they going in Rochester? Some of the places we already mentioned, you know, I can tell you, so the Buffalo, the, the bills do their training camp here. Yeah. Uh, St. John Fisher college. Bunch of Oak Hill members. Bunch of Oak Hill members. I know Josh Allen just joined or, yeah. uh, recently. So I know for a fact that several of them went to Burns at least two or three times last year when they were here. Yeah. Uh, so I think that is, you know, I guess people are catching on. Other than that, I'm not certain where uh, where they would go. I guess it's it's a lot of the places I said. And Rochester has also has a, a great mix of cocktail bars too. I don't know if I mentioned Revelry or not on there. Uh, Revelry, Cure. There's a lot of good cocktail bars that I know that some of those guys frequent. Uh, you know, on their uh, at their time off. So yeah, Revelry. I see Hatties as well. These are now we're getting into bars yeah. and breweries. I got to ask you too. You got to explain this garbage plate garbage plate situation to me. Like what what is this? Yeah, it's kind of it's a Rochester staple. I mean, it's sort of, you know, if you ask someone about Rochester that's from here, they're probably going to mention this. But as you can imagine just by the name of it, I would guess about 80% of plates are consumed after like midnight. Love that. <laughs> it, it's a, it's a, it's, it's definitely a late night food, but every single restaurant for the most part around here has their variation of a garbage plate. So a, a standard, like kind of traditional, I guess the most common order is you get a styrofoam container, the bottom of the styrofoam container, that's like half home fries, half macaroni salad. There's two cheeseburgers uh, without buns just placed on top. And then you basically do a mix of meat hot sauce, which kind of makes the entire thing. And I, I, I think that's a Rochester specific thing, but it's, it's like a, it's like a meat thick hot sauce, uh, healthy as you can imagine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then uh, spicy mustard and onions. That's, that's a typical like garbage plate with everything on it. Uh, and then you eat that and then you regret it for the next like three days. Uh, and that's, that's just kind of the tradition up here. <laughs> We're staying at, you know, it's funny. I was, I'm kind of, I was curious about this too. I was in Rochester about a month ago, just for a weekend for some Oak Hill stuff. You know, the hotel prices now booking for PGA week, it's like four times the cost. I stayed at the Hilton I stayed at the Hilton Garden Inn the first time, which is actually lovely and pretty conveniently located to Oak Hill. It took me literally like the airport for anyone flying in. 
it doesn't take you well, it takes you 15 minutes to get from the airport to yeah. most parts of to kind of where we at least were staying and then but this time we're the that Hilton was completely booked and and I I kind of did this a little bit last minute so we're staying at the Rochester University one University of Rochester one am yep. I completely off the beaten path with that one no, not really. I mean, there's so Rochester Institute of Technology or um, you're saying at the University of Rochester one, you said? Yeah. OK, no, I mean, that is a, a, a common thing that people say around here is like truly almost everything is a 15, 20 minute drive. Right. You're 15, 20 minutes to like everything. So I think you would be surprised if you go into your uh, you know phone right now and you type in your hotel and you put every almost every one of those places that I mentioned on that list. It's going to be between 10 and 20 minutes. Uh, so there's nowhere you can really stay here that's that's really that far. Uh, even if you're staying on the west side of the city, Oak Hill is kind of uh, southeast. Uh, but even right. if you're staying on the uh, on the northwest side of the city, I mean, you're talking a, maybe a 25-minute drive. Love that. Where do you think most of the players are staying this week? I think they're probably mostly staying around Pittsburgh, which is so – Pittsburgh is a suburb of Rochester – I think a lot of people are renting out their homes around there. A uh, bunch are staying with members for sure. Yeah. And I, th I think that's kind of commonplace. I think that's what happened last time too. Uh, Cause it's no, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a huge town, so there's not a ton of places to stay. Uh, yeah. So I think, I think most of the players are, are staying around there. I do know that some media were struggling to find places though, even I know <laughs> as, like a couple of months ago. So I'm sure they figured it out, but yeah, I think, I think most are probably going to stay right around Pittsburgh, like right around the course and uh, probably stay with members or rent out someone's house. How do you think the food at the golf course will be? Oh, I'm sure it'll be great. I was there for a work happy hour about three weeks ago and just, I mean, even the appetizers they put out were, were great. Unbelievable um, food when I ate it, there a couple it, it weeks was ago. So good. It's so yeah. good. I'm not sure. Uh, I, you know, obviously it's a much larger scale, but uh, given what Rochester is and I, I think how much we pride ourselves on, on our food scene, I, I think they'll, they'll do a great job. You know, I noticed that at, at Oak Hill when I did like their orientation and stuff like that, super, super prideful of their food. I mean, they took us into the kitchen. They do like pizza making classes for kids over there. It seems like it's a big part of, of Rochester's culture, which is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you. It is. It is. As you can tell by my uh, 40 extra pounds right now. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a very big part of the culture though. I mean, uh, the food scene here. So th that's one thing people, everyone that leaves, uh, everyone that moves away, that's kind of one of the main things that they reference is that they really miss the food up here because the, the pizza, the Italian food, I mean, even going down to, like I said, the burgers and hot places, everything is just, everything's great. Where's the best tiramisu in the city? That's my girlfriend's favorite. Ooh. Tiramisu. That's a good question. I'll have to do some more research on that. Okay. Not certain about that. I, uh, your girlfriend won't like to hear, but I'm not a huge tiramisu fan. So oh, no. we can I, I, not, I, never, I never order it, but, uh, I'll have to double check on that. Okay. We'll be in touch. You can get back. You can get back to me on that one. Hopefully I'll yeah. see you. I'll see you down there. You're going to the, what days do you think you're going to the tournament? Uh, I'm definitely going to be there Saturday, Sunday. I will most okay. likely be there Friday. Uh, I'm going to try to get out for a practice round too, you know, but uh, we'll see. It's 
I, I really, I, ideally I'd like to go every single day, uh, you know, take advantage of it while it's here, but at a minimum, I think I'll be there Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Last question before I get you out of here, who do you think is the best case scenario winner for the city and the club? Oh, it's a great question. You know, given the renovation, I think, as you mentioned before, it's going to play really long. Uh, it's going to be a bombers course. Yeah. I think the rough is going to be tough. I think best case scenario for the city and for my own wallet is <laughs> probably going to be, I would say, Cameron Young. Love I think that. he's. I think he sets up pretty well. I also, he's a New York native. Obviously he's downstate, but he's a New York guy. Right. Uh, so I think some people will be pulling for him. Uh, I will be. So in terms, yeah, I, I, I would go with Cam Young. Just, I think it would validate the actual renovation and the course setup and what they've done here uh, right. to kind of make it a bomber's course. And I think a lot of people will be rooting for him since he's from, he's from the state. Love that. All right, John, this is a blast. I look forward to seeing you up in Rochester. Anything to plug before we get out of here? Anything you want the listeners to check out? You mentioned you run a food Instagram for Rochester stuff as well. I'd encourage people to check that out, especially if they're going to the tournament. But anything anything you want to plug for the listeners before we get out of here? You know, I don't think so. I, I My Instagram, is, uh, it's at 585drinks, so it's actually a cocktail-specific uh, Instagram page. So if you're interested in that, uh, get a nice little, nice little tour of the city and, and all of the cocktails. And I would say, uh, if you are coming up here and you do plan on trying a garbage plate, I would, I would go to Spenceport Hots. It's, it's one of the best and the portions are huge. Not that you need it with any garbage plate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, those are, those are, those are my, my two plugs. John, this is an absolute pleasure. Like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing you up there and we'll do it again soon. My friend, I'll have you back to talk some more, uh, some more legal stuff as it pertains to web PGA. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right. That is it for the podcast. Special thanks to John Nucci. Special thanks to rickrungood.com. We will be back on this podcast feed probably Tuesday afternoon. Me and Kobe are recording Tuesday-ish morning because we want the ownership to settle a little bit. Pricing came out a little bit later than the Masters. And you'll still have all of Tuesday night and Wednesday to look out for that one and listen to that one. Again, all of my premium content on rickrungood.com. You can use promo code ANDY to get the weekly pass, $7. Obviously, on weeks like this, so appreciate the love from the podcast that I did with Steve Bamford. We're definitely going to do that again, make that a more regular thing. So really, really appreciate all the retweets and, you know, if this podcast helped you at all in the way that I talked about the golf course, the weather, you know, the golfers, give a five-star review on Apple, get, you know, retweet, all that stuff really helps me a lot. These are the only weeks of the year where I'm going to, you're ever going to hear me ask for it. But this is, these are truly the four biggest weeks of the year for me the four biggest weeks where I have the biggest audience, the four biggest weeks where the most new people get eyes and earballs, earballs, eyeballs and ears on the show. And hopefully that carries them forward to get more into golf and listen to more shows on the non-major weeks. I very much appreciate all the support this week as well. If you're, if you're going to Oak Hill, 
let me know. Hope to see you there. I'll be there all day Friday and Saturday. And until then, best of luck with um, not your bets, but more research on Oak Hill, I guess. Enjoy the couple days leading in. Uh, And we will see you back on this podcast feed with Kobe on Tuesday. Cheers. If I ventured in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dream Where my world still runs crack And the dead center back road stop